So if you just raise a hand, we want to pray for Sharon and um, what the Lord has this morning. So Lord, we just wait on you and we ask you what you want to say. What you want to say to us this morning? Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that it's here. We pray that we would be mindful that you're here. And as we're mindful of your presence, that we would have the courage in this moment to lay down our lives and engage your presence. To lay down our wants and desires and what we think we're entitled to and become um, fully yours in this moment. We pray that for Sharon as well as she brings your word. We pray a blessing of peace, of comfort and joy. We pray that you protect her as she brings your word. The enemy has no place here, so we say leave now and go to the feet of Jesus. We pray your blessing over us, that we would be open to what you have to say to us, no matter uh, how hard it might be at times. We do pray that we, again, we'd have the courage to engage the things that uh, you're putting in our hearts this morning. So we thank you. And we thank you for Mark and Taylor and their union, and we pray a blessing over it in Jesus' name as their church family. What a celebration. Uh, it will be fun. So we thank you uh, for new beginnings. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, right away, I didn't call Brendan last night at 9.30 like I did Mark to say, this is what I'm going to talk about. Do you think this is okay? <laughs> but yet, when he prayed, he paused, he asked the Lord, what do you want to say to us? And he prayed exactly what we're going to talk about. And if that's not an affirmation and a confirmation, and just a reminder that when we pause and ask the Lord, what do you want to say? We hear from him. We hear from him, and he offers guidance, and he offers affirmation, and he offers comfort and encouragement, and he offers a light unto the path that were to go. So I just um, immediately am so grateful, so grateful. So this morning, I thought it was Family Sunday, which means the kids stay in. So I had a little exercise for the kids, but guess what? They're not here. <laughs> so that's okay. You're not, you don't even have to get up. But I was thinking about the passage today in Romans 6. We're going to go a little bit further in 6 today. And we have some language and some words and we have some circumstances that happen that are very symbolic of our life with Christ, of where we're headed, where we're going, what it means, what it looks like, how we got started in it. And so I was thinking about symbols. And so I, want, I have a quiz for you. I'm going to put up a symbol. You tell me what it says. What does it mean? So you ready? We'll see if this works. There you go. First one. And what, it's a cross. What does it mean? What does it say? What does it represent? Salvation. New life. Forgiveness. Church. Death. Who said death? Gold star goes there. How about Jesus? Just real simple. 
Jesus, which someone may have said and I didn't hear. Okay, how about this one? Love. It means something. When you see it, you're like, love. Whenever I write a note to my kids, I always do this heart, and then I, you know, that's it. That's my signature to them. And it's kind of got this little fancy little squirrel on the bottom, or swirl, not squirrel. (laughs) Swirl on the bottom, and I think, God, I hope someday they remember mom's little heart with a swirl. Okay, how about this? Christmas. Simple. Easy. Hey, for the record, I went into the Sunday school room and I asked Kate Baumgartner, our children's pastor, I asked her two kids, Cohen and Renna, these symbols, and they got 100% right. So no pressure. Okay, here's the next one. Computers, Apple, iPod, iPad, you name it. It's, this means a lot. When you see this, it says something. Success story, business Technology. How about this one? Good job. Good job. Which, by the way, in Mexico they call it Wi-Fi. Did you know that? I was talking to my sister on the phone this week, and I was telling her what I was thinking about doing with these symbols, and she was just she said so such a profound thing. She goes, Here they mean something, but they might not mean something in another culture. It's very good to be aware of that, of when we take meaning out of something here, it might not mean the same thing to somebody else. So in Mexico, it means wifi. How about this one? It's, isn't this amazing? You got it. And the kids got it too. How about this one? <laughs> Rick said, stay off my lawn. <laughs> In the very early church, this meant something. It meant we're part of something. It meant we're part of a group. It meant we're part of a movement. We're part of the way. This meant we know secretly who we're following and who's in and who's not. If you knew this symbol, you knew something. How about this one? Happy. Emojis tell a story. When I was Googling this, which is, oh, Google's a whole nother symbolic thing. When I was Googling this and I was looking up emojis, it said that over 6 billion emojis are sent in a day. That's an estimate, of course. (laughs) But isn't that amazing? And they tell a story. And there was all kinds of things where you you could say a whole sentence just using emojis. You could communicate with no words, and you could just do the symbolic meanings, and people could understand what you're saying. At our women's retreat, we had a, uh, our speaker this year was Diane Brask, and she was sharing with us her ministry. And one of the things she has is this ministry called Story Revolution. And the thing on her heart, most important to her, is to go into um, people groups that don't even know how to read. They've never heard the name of Jesus. They don't know how to read. They don't know how to write. They don't have an alphabet. So she created this thing called Story Revolution that she can go into these places and tell the story of Jesus without words. It's amazing and beautiful. And when she talks about it, it's just her life call and her life passion. The further out to the edges of the earth she can go, the better it is for her. God bless her. (laughs) There's a 
old, old Hasidic saying, so an old Jewish saying that says, God invented man because he loves stories. In Scripture, we'll see the stories over and over and over. And when we see the word like, L-I-K-E, it is like this, we can look for the symbolism. And we can look for the story. The story is being told when we say that. So today, when we go into chapter 6 a little bit further, starting in verse 5, let's look for that. Let's look for the story. Let's look for the, our story within the big story. And let's look for the symbolism and, the, and the, the way that we are engaging with what Paul is writing in Romans. So our story begins here in Romans chapter 5. For if we have been united with him, which is Jesus, in death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We are united in a death like his. Surely then we will be united in a resurrection like his. The chapter title of this story part of our stories is United with Christ. It's where our walk as followers of Jesus begins. It starts in that moment when we say, yes, Lord. I am now united with you. I am with you. We are together. That's the invitation he gives to us. He gives us this invitation where we get to walk with him. We get to be with him. We get to be united with him. So our story begins here. We unite with him in a death like him. Verse 6. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Sometimes we only look at half of this equation. We only look at the resurrection. And we only look at the life. And we don't look at, because we don't like to talk about it, the death. If we are with Jesus in his death, like him, then surely we will be in his resurrection with him. We don't like to talk about death. We don't like to talk about death of our old self. But I think we have to understand what this means to know our identity in Jesus of being united with him so that we can walk with him because death is a place of darkness it's a place of separation it's a place where there's no life sometimes it seems meaningless When we think about being separated from someone we love, it hurts. It's painful. And we would much rather avoid the pain than understand it or sit in it and let it just be. But the death to our old self is an important part of the equation and we can't ignore it. Last week we were talking about um, at the end, I don't remember where it was, but I mentioned Journey. I think it was during announcements, and I'm going to a Journey concert in July, and we were laughing about it. But here's the truth about those days. I call them my Journey days. 
It was darkness. It was without Christ. It was hard. It was painful. I was separated from Jesus. It wasn't a great place to be. But it's the way it was. Way back in the beginning of the the story, the biggest story in Scripture, back in Genesis chapter 3, where we were created to not die, where we were created to live in perfect, united union with God for all of time, the enemy comes in and tempts us and says to us and gets to the core point and the core fear of us sometimes is that we don't want to die. And so that's how God kept Adam and Eve from the fruit. They said, don't eat of it because you will die. And the enemy comes in, and what does he say? Surely you will not die. We're afraid of our old self dying. Surely you will not die. But because we did spiritually die, in the big story, God provided a way for us, a way for us to live again. You see, the truth of the journey days is it wasn't journey, wasn't Van Halen, wasn't even Neil Diamond, (laughs) and all the other concerts I went to that were the problem. The problem was the living sin nature within me. The problem was the absence of Christ within me. The problem was not being united with Jesus in a way that brought newness of life that Paul said just a few verses earlier. That was the problem. So when I go to Journey on July 27th of this year, it's not going to be the same because I'm not the same. The problem is the absence of Christ. The enemy's final tactic is that we would be afraid to die, that we wouldn't put our old selves on the, na- on the altar and say, you can have it all. There's a fear that comes with it, the fear that says, who would I be? What would I do? How about this one? How would I have any fun? If I put my old self on the nature, where, who am I going to be and how am I going to live and am I going to have any fun? Is it going to be all drudgery and, and this depth of a pit of constantly having to die? And we don't want that, so we don't look at it. The body of sin within us must be brought to nothing. The death of Jesus on the cross symbolizes, shows us the story, the death of our old self. Paul is saying the death must happen in order for life to happen. How many of you have been through that? And you understand now you would go back and die again? I do. It's hard. I don't always see it right away. Sometimes I need someone to tell me where I'm out of line or where something's not quite dead yet. Because when we become united with Christ, we are justified immediately. It is finished. We have no guilt. We are forgiven. You are forgiven. 
of everything. And another thing happens, we become on this process of sanctification, where we become more and more like Jesus. You see, when he dies, we die. And when he lives, we live. It's this beautiful, beautiful process, and it's the beginning of our stories. Verse 8, now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again, and death no longer has dominion over him. Guess what? We get that too. Because we are dying a death like his, and we are living a resurrection like his. We get this too. No more death. No longer being under the master of sin. It's not a passage on perfection. Mark preached about the message, why do I keep on sinning? That's because this is not a message about living perfectly. This is a message about not being a slave to it. This is a message about understanding where sin will take you into a place of death and darkness and separation and saying, you don't have control over me anymore. You're not my master. It's a passage that reveals a truth He dies, we die. He lives, we live. This is symbolized in our baptism. Talk about symbolism. When we have our baptism this August, and you, for those of you who want to be, are baptized, when you go under, it symbolizes the death of the old self. And when you rise again, you rise with Jesus into this newness of life. It's beautiful. The Bible is full of symbolism and it's full of story that is powerful and meaningful. An emoji story can only go so far. The scripture story has meaning beyond anything we can probably comprehend, but we can try and grab a hold of it a little bit. You're free from the fear of dying when you become united with Christ. Because as united with Christ, you are united in his resurrection. When we are not afraid of dying, when the root of fear is severed, you know what happens? You're set free. Wherever there's fear in your life, if you have a fear of dying, if you have a fear of man, if you have a fear of failing, if you have a fear of being alone, if you have a fear of not being liked, if you have a fear of not fitting in, whatever your fear is, when you become united with Christ and you address that fear and the fear is severed, you are set free. You are set free to live powerfully and fully and alive in Jesus to walk that newness in life. When I was typing this um, and doing some final edits on it last night, I wrote united, because that's what the scripture says, but somehow I mistyped. I know I can't believe I mistyped, but I did. And I wrote untied. Spellcheck didn't catch it. Because untied is a word. Untied, released, set free. Verse 10. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive 
to God in Christ Jesus. Consider yourselves. You are united with Jesus. Unbelievable beginning of our story. Today's passage outlines quite possibly the most significant chapter of our stories, chapter 1. The beginning, where it starts. Its substance surpasses any emoji story we could tell. It has power. It moves us. It draws us. Yesterday, the walk for water happened here. And there was a lot going on. (laughs) And it was beautiful. And the energy was great. And I was talking to someone afterwards. And they said... I took the time to read some of the signs. Did anyone see the signs that were standing around about the kids and how they have to walk to get water and the deaths that are involved in not getting fresh water? And it just fact after fact after fact after fact on how important clean, fresh water is. And then Heidi had a a banner made that was a stand-up banner, and it told the story of a girl and what it looked like for her to go get water. And this person was talking to me, and they said, I lost it. I was overwhelmed by the story. I was overwhelmed by what was true about this girl and what she had to do to go get fresh water. It moved me. It wrecked me. It put into perspective some things in my own life. The power of story is life-changing and transforming. Moving stories that call us to higher things in a greater purpose. Let your story move you. Let the story of your beginning being united with Christ sink in and move you. Engage in them. Open your heart to what God is doing. I was going on a retreat a, a few weeks ago. Oh, that's, I don't even know when it was. It was a while ago. Maybe February, I think. That's more than a few weeks. <laughs> and someone sent me a song, which is one of my favorite songs. And it's by United Pursuit. And the title of the song is Let It Happen. And some of the lyrics in that song say... You're full of life. You're full of passion. It's how he made you. Let it happen. You're full of life. You're full of passion. It's how he made you. Let it happen. And then the other part of the song is, I don't know if it's a bridge or, I don't know, it's another part. And it says, now take me back. Back to the beginning. Where I was young, running in the fields with you. Sometimes we have to pause and go back to the beginning. And remember, I'm united with Christ. My old self has died the death like him. And my new self is resurrected to live a new life like him. So take me back. Back to the beginning. Where I was young and running in the fields with you. You see, your story continues. That was only chapter one of your story. 
is that you're united with Christ. There's a verse in Philippians. It says, Not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. I press on. I press on. Again, our brilliant, masterful writer, Paul. I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Fight for it, church. Fight for it. Walk it out. Press on towards the goal, the prize, the upward call of God. Because you have a story to live. You have a story to live. A story that says, I've been united with Christ. I've been justified by Christ. I've been made righteous. I'm sanctified, becoming more like Jesus. Because of this, we have a road to walk on that leads to life. Never to die. Death has nothing over us because it will never happen to us. No longer to be ruled by sin and death. Live it strong, live it free, and live it loud so that God is glorified. Let's pray. Jesus, you're in the business of reminding And personally, I just thank you for reminding me that you've given me a new life and a new starting point and that you're not finished with me yet. The story's not done. So I thank you that you care that much and that you see us. And I thank you that you had a plan. (laughs) You had a plan about death, and it's a good one. You annihilate it, and you say it won't happen anymore for those who are united with you. So, Lord, would you take us back to the beginning of our story? Chapter 1, would you remind us how deeply we are rooted in who you are, and you are in us? Lord, we thank you for the water. We thank you for the walk. We thank you for the work that you're doing in this church to reach out and live our lives loudly so that you would be glorified. I pray that the offering would be multiplied to do exactly what you want it to do. In Jesus' name, amen. No shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, Shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. There's no shadow.
Love of God. 